Who you with? Who you with? Who you with? Y'all know how we get started on this side. Quick roll call. With my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Buck fans, my Panther fans. Whether you keep pounding, firing off them cannons, rising up and yelling out who that. Whatever you do to support your team, I'm just glad that you're here supporting me. I, Darian in the mouth of the South Gray, the one and only host of Point Blank, period. Recorded and coming to you live from the Jansport per usual. You can find me on Instagram at underscore mouth of the South. On Twitter at South Exclusives, come talk to me. On this episode, we talk about all the teams in the division today, guys. Y'all ain't got to worry about me leaving anybody out. We're going to talk about Carolina and their upcoming schedule. We're going to talk about Tack McKinley again getting back in the news for something that he said and stirring up some trouble. And we're going to talk about what I think is the biggest game of the year thus far. Saints-Bucks 2. So let's start off with Carolina, and if you've been checking out this, then you know that I'm a fan of the Carolina Panthers, not in the sense of where I root for them guys, but in the sense where I genuinely feel like Carolina is a good team this year and is a playoff caliber team. However, what I do believe is that those chances are now very slim. I've expressed on countless occasions that I have faith in the Panthers I've even said that I think they were going to make the playoffs maybe sneak in and get that seventh spot I spoke their praises with conviction and while I still think they're a playoff caliber team like I said I still think that I don't think they make it this year and I think a lot of it has to do with that loss to the Falcons and I'm not saying that in a sense where the Falcons are this terrible team and oh my god how could you lose to the Falcons I don't mean like that I just literally mean that they lost to the Falcons in their last game and a chance to go to 500 and go to four and four instead they're at three and five now and I think that's going to be a big change for them because the rest of the season goes like this at Kansas City versus the Bucks. Lions at the Vikings, Broncos at Green Bay, the Washington football team, and the Saints. Ah, man. That's tough. That's tough sledding because I'm going to be real with y'all. All I ever do is be real. I don't think they beat the Chiefs. I don't think they beat the Bucks, and I don't think they beat the Packers. And I, and I feel pretty strongly in saying that, which would mean at best, the Panthers can hope to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. And I'm not so sure that 8-8 eight and eight makes the playoffs. And I think they lose to the Saints if the Saints have anything to play for in that last week because it's week 17. And there's a chance that the Saints might just not have anything to play for. And if that's the case, then yeah, Carolina will beat them. I mean, it was a close game last time, so there's no guarantee that they won't beat them anyway. Same with Tampa Bay, but I just don't see it happening. Okay, so then you go there, that's 7-9. But it's not as if those other games are cakewalks. The Lions is no cakewalk. The Broncos is no cakewalk. Then you look at teams like the Vikings. That run game, I think, can attack. I spoke about it on two podcasts ago. That I believe they should have picked up a, a linebacker or a defensive tackle or something to stop that run. Well, as long as Dalvin Cook is healthy, we've seen what he just did to the Green Bay Packers. So they have an elite running back. They have a, an elite running back in an elite running game. That's a hole for the Panthers. Then you look at the Washington football team. 
their pass rush. Both of these things can attack what I believe are vulnerabilities on the Carolina Panthers that can ultimately cost them, cost them a victory. And I think the playoffs shake out like this. I think you're going to have the divisional winners, obviously. So that's four of them. And now you have a seventh playoff spot this year. I think you're going to have an NFC South team, whoever the other NFC South team is, another NFC West team, and then the Panthers, the Bears, and whoever that third NFC West team, I'm counting out the, the 49ers. I just think that their injury is going to be too much to overwhelm. So you're talking about between probably the Seahawks and the Rams. I mean, not the Seahawks and the Rams, because the Seahawks, I think, are going to win that division. But the Rams and the Cardinals. So I'm talking about the Panthers, Bears, Rams, Cardinals are going to be fighting for that five or the six and seven spot. Because I think the NFC South team probably gets the five. I think whether it's the Bucks or the Saints, I think they'll both have pretty good records. Now, unfortunately for the Panthers, all of those teams already have five wins. And the Bears already beat them too. So you mix in the fact that the teams already are two games ahead of the Panthers. And then also that the Panthers have a very difficult schedule. I'd just say that their playoff chances are slim to none. So let's move into the Falcons now. Let's get into Big Tack. Big Tack is at it again, baby. Um, earlier this week, yeah, he's right back in a news cycle. He, he ain't want to waste any kind of time. But earlier this week, he came out and he broke the news that the Falcons not only were not trading him, but turned down offers. And I explained why I, why I was perplexed on why they would do that. And I, I'll leave that in that episode. If you haven't checked it out, I highly suggest that you do. It's just the last one. So I'm not too far into this. So if y'all want to pause it, run it back. That's cool. If y'all want to um, wait till this one is done, either way. But I think you guys should go check it out because I thought it was kind of an interesting situation that's now null and void because of what he said. Because we have more attack-related news, and it comes in the form of Twitter. And he said, and I quote, These Atlanta Falcons turned down a second-round draft pick when I requested to get traded last year. The same Atlanta Falcons turned down a fifth and a sixth-round pick from multiple teams when I requested to get traded this year. I only have 17 and a half career sacks. Clown emoji three times. He tweeted that out on the uh, on November 4th in the morning. First off, this makes me look at the other tweet differently. I think that when I first read the tweet about how he didn't get traded, I just personally assumed that he was taking jabs and maybe a little bit of shots or showboating in the, in the faces of the fans that wanted him to be gone and is calling him a bust now i think this may be a tweet of frustration not showboating but he's just like man they're not letting me go and they and i asked to be gone they turned down multiple offers for me i want to leave and this tweet is particularly hilarious because he ridicules the falcons obviously for not making the trade but he also acknowledges himself as a bust these Atlanta Falcons, like, man, these dumb dudes. Can you believe these guys? Can you believe what they did? And then I only have 17 and a half sacks in my career. Shaq Barrett beat that last year. <laughs> I'm just amazed that he really just acknowledged, like, yo, y'all passed off this for me? 
it's one thing to criticize the team's front office, but to take time out for some self-criticism, that just makes this an elite tweet. I'm sorry. Um, Jason Butt of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that his sources say there was no second-round pick offered for TAC last year. That is not true. And thank the man upstairs because they would have been wild in to turn that down. You turned down a second-round pick for Tack McKinley last year? 17 and a half sacks. <laughs> when asked about the <laughs> 17 and a half sacks, man. I'm sorry. I want to keep pushing to what was said about this and how the conversation was driven forward. But just for him to call them out and say, like, he's just acknowledging and honestly, I feel like verifying what everybody else already believes that he's a bust and he knows he's a bust. So it's that's just funny to me. Like, dog, y'all didn't trade me and I'm a bust. You guys suck at your job. That's basically what he's saying. While also saying he's not that good at his job. But it's okay because he's gotten better this year. He's gotten better this year, but he just had a groin injury since week two. So wasn't nothing we could do about it. But I see the improvement in Tack. I think a lot of Falcon fans see the improvement in Tack as well. But when asked about the comments, or the tweet rather, Raheem Morris said, when Tack's playing football and he's playing at a high level, he's a great person to be around. When he's in this mode where he doesn't want to talk and he shies away from personal interactions and and contact, that's a problem. Now, this is me speaking now. But it just sounds like Tack is an emotional guy who ultimately lets his emotion get the best of him at times. Like most people who wear their emotions on their sleeve will do. I can understand that. With somebody like that, you want to be able to manage where his emotions explode. Like, you wouldn't want him to explode on Twitter and just get out there and just go in on the organization. But you also want to manage how big the explosions are. For example, contrast these two tweets. One where he's saying, they turned down this, that, I only have 17 and a half sacks, and then dropping three clown emojis, which if you are older, you may not understand. I'm going to tell you right now. The clown emoji for the young folk. That means something. It, it really does. It means something. The word clown, I don't know how a clown was back in the day, but right now you call somebody a clown, especially with the emojis, it just, it, it hold water, okay? Or it hold weight, rather. So you compare that to the Falcons aren't trading me and they turn down multiple offers. I'd much rather take the first tweet. I'd much rather take you saying they just turned down offers, not giving all the details and the clown emojis to go with it. You want to manage how big of an explosion that is because that's nothing. The, the, the first tweet is really nothing. Um, and then Morris also said that he talked to team president McKay about tax guaranteed money, which is kind of concerning to me. He's on the last year of his contract. Yeah, I know that. But you never, and I mean never, want to see somebody have their money taken away. And as of right now, he's just been fined. And hopefully that's where it stays. Hopefully that they sit down, they talk. You know, the last thing that Morris said on the topic was, in my opinion, the best quote on the situation. Like, yeah, it was cool to hear him say he has 17 and a half sacks. Talk about the things they turned down. Yeah, that's funny. But this, in my opinion, was the best quote. He said, we'll talk to Tack and get that thing done. 
We're not going to sit here and talk through the papers or through media. That's a grown man conversation with another grown man. And that's what I like to hear because it's important to move with respect. I'm not trying to sit here and be self-righteous and preach or nothing, but I just think it's important to just sit there, have a man-to-man conversation, and handle the situation flat out. It's not that difficult. It can be done. And more times than not, it's necessary. And when you just don't have it, more problems come out. So respect to Morris for not trying to go with the war of tweets versus sound bites. That ain't where you want to be. Now, after this vibe of the week, I'm going to transition into the Bucks Saints 2 and why I stand by the fact that I think it is the biggest, the biggest game of the year so far. And there's been some other big games, guys. But for vibe of the week, I'm going to bring back what I was going to do last episode before I said Florida, Georgia, and got in my country bag. I hope y'all appreciated it. But now I'm going back to my roots. I'm back to my roots. I'm going to hip hop and going J. Cole to climb back. I'll be back with point blank, period. To the left of that decimal, I need seven figures to play the joint. Turn up your decibels, peepie decimator joint. Check out my projects like them workers that section eight of points. And you'll see how I flip like exclamation points. My shoot first as if they never played the point. More two guards, enough straps to fill for you haul. More depth than World War II calls around these parts. We put a brown just to drown these thoughts of black corpses in county morgues. Lord, those images haunting. I ain't been asleep yet. It's 10 in the morning. I'm sending a warning A problem with me is like the BET Hip Hop Awards I'm starting to see you don't want it I'm sick of this flaunting For I know for sure ain't got more dough than cold trash rappers Backwards trying to go toe to toe We laugh at you Staff strapped up on top the totem pole to blast at you Bassmasters, look how they total pole Gotta know the ropes and the protocol Or they gon' for sure blow your clothes Half off like a promo code Made a little tune called folding clothes And it still ain't on the fold Under pressure, well you know what cold Welcome back to Point Blank Period. I am Darian. I'm out to the South Gray, and I'm here to talk about Saints versus Bucks 2 before we get out of here. Man, when I tell y'all, I truly, with all of my being, believe this is the biggest game of the year. And there's been big games. Don't get me wrong. I can't admit that. But I don't think any of them bigger than this one. And this ain't just about Breeze versus Brady. That's cool. Yeah, but you have to have more than that. This could be the last two time. This could be the last time we see these two lining up against each other. But you need more than that. I get the appeal, but we seen that week one. Matter of fact, we've seen it six times before. That alone is not enough to make this the biggest game of the year. It's a factor, but it's not enough to make it the biggest game of the year. With that, that goes into the teams, the stakes, the pressure, the attention. In order to be the biggest game of the year, neither one of these teams could be a Rudy Poo. And I'm not saying that it's going to be the best game or that certain games didn't turn out to be more entertaining, but I mean, before the game started, what was the biggest game? And you got Baltimore versus Pittsburgh in my list. Baltimore versus the Chiefs, Pittsburgh versus the Titans, and the Bucks versus the Packers. In this game, you got the preseason NFC favorite versus the current NFC favorite. You may even be able to add Saints Packers on that list, but the Saints had just lost to the to the Raiders, so that's why I didn't want to add that one. 
this game just a bit different, man. Because I think that this game has the ability to shape how each team is viewed by the public and possibly within the league. The Saints, as I mentioned, were definitely preseason favorites. Whether that's number one or number two, it was the Saints and 49ers in the preseason saying that these are the teams we think could be coming out of the out of the NFC this year. Over the Packers, over the Seahawks, over the Bucks, those two. And the Saints won that first matchup against the Bucks. And it seemed to confirm that belief that, you know, the Saints were that team. It was a handed victory. Brady had two interceptions. Good win. But then it all went down. It all came crashing and burning when the Saints lost two games in a row to the Raiders and the Packers. You started hearing conversations about Drew Brees being washed. Drew Brees just not having it anymore. And I understand him. I was saying it too. I was talking about his lack of accuracy. I was talking about the fact that he was hesitant to pull the trigger and make decisions. I questioned Breeze's validity and whether he still had that dog in him, whether he was still a killer. So I can't blame people for questioning that. But in the time since those two victories, the Saints have now rattled off four victories in a row. But that ain't talked about. Um, Breeze has played better. And I'm not here to be that Saints fan who say, why don't you talk about us and what we're doing good? No, I get it. That, that Those games have not been sexy wins, haven't been dominant wins. You had the Bears against the ropes and you let them come back and had to beat them in overtime. You should have lost to the Chargers when they, go, when they doink that kickoff. The upright, you know, after after that play against Marshawn. Y'all know I went on a vent session with that one. I just had to vent so much that I did it on video and just played it back on a podcast. Um, I thought the I thought the Lions win was a, a pretty dominant win person personally. But these are and then Carolina I thought was a was a good win as well. But it just has not been discussed like that. And I get it. I understand it fully. But this is still a team that is extremely talented. And I think a win versus the Bucks would put everybody, and I mean everybody, back on notice regardless of the score. I don't care if this is a three-point win. I don't care if they etch it out. As long as there is no controversy attached to this, a win versus the Bucks would set the Saints up to be talked about right back how they were at the beginning of the year. Now let's get into the Bucks. You know, that first loss, you know, the public perception of the Bucks has been way different because after that first loss, people was like, ah, okay. Yeah, they lost to the Saints. The Saints are good. We knew this. It was more about the Saints being good. I think that's because people, people were rightfully allowing the Buccaneers to have time to gel and get it together, and boy, did they get it together. Especially with that defense. I think that the Bucks have formed what I believe to be the most complete team in the NFC. And after whipping up on the Panthers, or on the Packers rather, I believe the Bucks took over as the top dog in the NFC. 
Now the Saints and the Bucks have been on a collision course since week one with the Bucks seeking redemption. All right, so let's have some crash talk. The Bucks are only a half game in first place. And I know that it may not seem the way because I'm talking about public perception where the Saints are looked as, I think the Saints are looked very similar as that team who lost two in a row. While the Bucks, rightfully, I'm not trying to slight the Bucks and say that people are overrating them. I'm not saying that. I do think people are maybe slightly underrating the Saints, but I'm not saying they're overrating the, the Bucks. But they're still looked at as that team that handled up on the Packers. I think a lot of people have them as their NFC favorites now. Maybe them in Seattle. I'm not the highest on Seattle. I'd look at Seattle very similar to how I look at the Packers with deficiencies on that defense that can be exploited. But that's neither here nor there. But the perceptions would make you think it wasn't that close. But both teams have only lost two games. So the Saints won the first game. And if they were to win again, that would essentially be a two-game lead because you would have six victories. Yeah, the Bucs have six victories too, but they would have three losses because they played one more game. That's why these stakes are so high. The Saints win, and they're essentially two games up in the division because the Bucs can't tie with them. They would have to have a better record because the Saints would have a tiebreaker. I think that a Saints victory would essentially put that, well, not, not just put the team up, but it would essentially put them back in that conversation as a top-tier team in the NFC. So this would shape the public perception while also playing a key part later down the later down the road in how the NFC South standings shake up. But if you look at the Bucks, if they win, I just think this cements their status as the best team in the conference, in my opinion. And there's a reason that this game is on Sunday night football. It has the matchups, it has the pressure, it has the stakes. Everybody needs to be paying attention. This is the biggest game of the year thus far. Point blank period. It is. And that's going to wrap it up for me. You know, until the next time y'all hear me run it back. Been daring them out to the South Gray.